again, welcome one, welcome all to another edition of Denver Comic Con Radio, presented to you by Nerds That Geek. Yes, well, that'd be cool, actually, if mics are close enough that we could get double echo, echo, echo. Coming to you once again from the Venture Concert Hall. We're feeling good, we're feeling loose this evening. Tonight is a second part of a two-part show for us, because they're doing two days of the Symphonic Tribute to Comic Con, the Tetralogy, which I didn't say last night, because that's a really hard word to say, and words are tough on a Friday night when you're tired. Um, I am joined this evening by a double barrel Scott show. I have to my left the inexorable Baron of B movies, Scott Edwards. That's me. That is you, indeed. And I have Scott Murray, who is one of our awesome photographers at Denver Comic Con every year going forward now. Yeah, that's how it's going to be. And Scott's done some work for us as well with blogs, and it is very good to have you on the show, Scott. Thanks. Glad to be here. Excelente. So, obviously, you guys weren't here last night because it was Kate and Tim, or John and plus Tim, as everybody seemed to enjoy so much. Um, you guys missed a heck of a show. We had a T-Rex. Um, one wing angel may or may not have been played, and Tim may or may not have wept in the car. Um, I told him he go cry in the car. Poor Tim. And that's how it went. But uh, that's okay, either way. But um, yes, but we have two new fresh ones here. And this is working out so great for the show, because I have someone that's a seasoned veteran with myself, like it's Mr. Edwards, that's been to every single one of these. Um, have I, then? Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. yeah. We did. We had... Big autograph line over there. Oh, yeah. For those I'm not pointing to my right because I keep forgetting we're not on video. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they have the autograph line by the staircase. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you've done every single show with us. Oh, yeah. That's okay. for sure. Hey, I've been here. Yes, you have. It's also but it is, uh, it's your first time, Scott. At Scott Murray, my favorites. Okay, well, are we gonna, I think we have to do Tall Scott. <clears throat> yes. It's going to have to happen. Okay. So you're Tall Scott tonight. All right. Sounds good. You're tall. Or then Scott and I. Combined. So with that in mind, we're going to ask some of the same questions as last time before we talk about the show a little more in depth. But um, what do you feel about coming to a show like this? Or how do you feel about coming to a show like this? I'm excited. Oh, yeah, I love it. I actually have a long history with musical theater back in California. I with the Cabrillo Music Theater up in Ventura County. Uh, wow, this summer would be 10 years. Um, 10. Which I guess makes nine years last summer. Presumably I'm going to work this summer show again. Uh, we'll see. And then I also just have a long history with video games and music <laughs> Movies. in general. Yeah, I love it all. So when you put the two together, it's, uh, I think it's going to be pretty damn great. Um, you know, it is. It really is. It's, <laughs> they, they do such a good job of this every year. It's just it's ridiculous. And then, of course, you know, I mean, I know you love this show, Mr. Edwards. I think I do just a little too much because when I leave this type of event, I'm usually thinking more of, Oh my god, I can't believe I never paid attention to that song in the video game. Or I I would never have thought that I would like a song from a Harry Potter movie because I don't like Harry Potter. <laughs> the, the fun part about that is, uh, for those who listened to the show last night, Kate is a Harry Potter fanatic. Oh, sweet. Um, so this is going to be interesting to say. This. It's interesting, we've had like these little combats here because Tim, <laughs> Tim is not a huge, huge fan of John Williams, and that came up, and now... Oh, now there's now a little, bit, the of a, little bit of backside here with the, with the Potter Meister, so that's, <laughs> that's interesting to say the least. Well, uh, actually, if you want to turn back the clock one time, we did go out, you and I went out to a Harry Potter movie one time, and we couldn't stop laughing throughout. Um, so you do understand fair, where fair. my feeling for the Potter comes in. Well, I, I, I explain mine off the air. Um, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a podcast show for a long time. Okay, so, <laughs> hey, Potter's cool. Potter's not to this Potter's not Potter. I don't want to start that thing, because it's such it's a just not place. my favorite. Movie. Well, it's not Star Trek for me, so yeah. Yeah, that's how that goes. I mean, if I'm going to have Daniel Radcliffe, I need him doing, like, Frankenstein or something like that. Oh, wait, he already did. I was going to say, I thought we knew I guess we need to show you this <laughs> army man next time. Let's see what you think of that. Because he plays a dead guy. Okay. 
Party um, Talks. Yes, on the island, right? Yes. Yeah. As I understand the plot, it's a guy that uses Daniel Radcliffe's body not for food, but like as a multi-purpose device. It's like a flotation device, a buggy. Um, but it's already going off rails tonight. Okay, so, that so works too, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm not speaking attention to the show. Speaking of using them, we'll, uh, we'll get back to the particular <laughs> matter at hand. Um, well, I guess we might as well dig into them. So, I mean, for the playlist that you clicked at, what are you, what are you looking forward to tonight, Mr. Edwards? Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, would have to be the theme for Game of Thrones. It's one of my favorite ones, and there's so many different parodies of it that I'm sure we will be singing at least one of them. If there's yeah, there's a good chance. Either I was Stinklage yeah, or that, that was happening in my head. South Park version, uh, you know. Hopefully, we don't get thrown out. Um, you, you're not singing. You, just got, you can hum it quietly, <laughs> and everything's okay. Yeah, and we're good. And, and then, uh, yeah. then they also have the Jurassic Park on there, which they've done a couple years. So. That one's always good. They do, and I imagine that since I mentioned the T-Rex, you can gather that that goes down. Mm-hmm. That's that's where that goes down, and it is going to be one of the most majestic things you gentlemen have ever seen. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it brings tears to eyes. A tiny arm director. Oh, those arms, as the caption on the photo said from our own site, uh, those arms be damned, he can conduct. Those, were, <laughs> those arms held the conducting piece, stick, whatever you call Tom. that. What he said, um, beautifully, <laughs> and he, it was... It was bringing a tear to one's eye from part laughter and part beauty, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> what is Mr. Murray looking forward to this evening for the show? You know, I, oddly enough, I'm looking forward to the music from Abzu, which was the only thing I wasn't familiar with. I guess I should say I'm not familiar with. But I looked it up the other night just on YouTube, and it immediately captivated me. So going into that mostly blind, I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to that as a new experience. And I'm also really looking forward to One, one Winged Angel, because I actually am not as impressed with it as most people. <laughs> I know that's blasphemy, but I just I'm not super impressed with it on its own when I listen to it, or even just with Final Fantasy VII as much as most people tend to be. But I know that when you hear something live, it tends to be so much more than what it can be otherwise. So I'm kind of hoping that might give it shine new light on it for me. Uh, no, there's a very good chance of that because I know you and I. Um, I know, I, I know they did Superman a couple years back. I ain't gonna lie, that brought me to tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never heard it performed live before. I, it is my favorite superhero period. Um, and I use it. Which one got you? There was one a couple years ago that you got a little misty eye too. Oh, jeez, I can't remember. There's been so many. Was it more than one then? Did I just miss the rest of it? Yeah. All right, then. There you go. I usually just, you know, kind of shield myself sitting next to you guys. It's <laughs> so beautiful. Wow, just like that, a, yeah. And now we know you're a sound prior, so that's... I am. Things you learn on a podcast about people, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so yes, there is a very good chance tonight that it may sound vastly different and vastly more magnificent than one might expect. Um, and this is going to be... This is the fourth year of these. I mean, we love them every year. But for you, Mr. Edwards, what is it that you love about this so much? I mean, this is a special show to all of us. It's, it's cool that we get to, to come here and actually podcast this every year, but uh, there's something very, very magical about coming. It's like a tradition at this point, really. I kind of mentioned that last night, the longevity of it, but what is it about this whole thing just love death? It's a different feeling than going to the regular symphony. And that's something that I'm starting to notice that a lot more people are taking note of because it's it's something pop culture related. It's not classical. You're, you don't have Bach playing or Beethoven or what you generally go to the symphony to see. You have things in movies that you've heard that you've fallen in love with over the years. And that's, that's the thing that I like most about it. It's because it's all the popular stuff. 
it's stuff that people care about. Uh, that's great. That, that's great. That's about as spot on as you can say it. Um, now, for you, Mr. Murray, when we mentioned the possibility of you coming to the show, your eyes lit up like a Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> what does this mean to you coming to a show like this? Wow, that's quite a question. <laughs> we do that sometimes. Yeah. We do. For one, I, I like I said, most of my live experience is musical theater, and that can sometimes. There are obviously very interesting musical stuff like Kitty Boots or what have you. That's newer, but my my company tended to do a lot of older stuff, which is great. I love it, but there's so much more that's going on. Like like you said, Scott, about it's not that typical classical. Everyone wears their suits, and I just I don't have almost any experience in this sort of atmosphere with something newer or that has a broader appeal. I'm actually really interested to see what that means. But I like what you said, Scott, about that there's so much more to popular music, the connotations that come with that being attached to a show or a film or a game with a plot. That's, that kind of makes some of this music very hit and miss when I listen to it just on its own, because on the one hand, sometimes it does exactly what you said. It invokes these other feelings and experiences just beautifully in a way that that other music just can't play music, should I say? Yeah. Music that's just standalone zone. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, sometimes I, I find myself almost bored because without the other pieces of the puzzle, the music alone isn't quite enough. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens tonight. No, and those are very good points. So actually, I think, I think we're going into some more philosophical territory. Do you guys think... Because I know for a while there, I don't want to say it was a Chicago symphony because it's always been a very well-regarded place and I don't ever recall people not wanting to come here. But I mean... There is a certain drop-off when you think about the classics like Bach and Beethoven mm-hmm. and Tchaikovsky and all of them, um, where people don't seem to be quite as inclined to go, oh, I cannot wait to yeah, dress up in my tuxedo and go see that. But I would have to say, and maybe this is credited to Mr. Matt Krupa, who was a the nerd consultant at this particular, this particular facility. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it's credited to him and obviously the staff for, for uh, running behind it, but is pop culture, music, and that kind of thing in the future? Because I've been to the Zelda show here, mm-hmm. um, and that was a a packed house, but equally as magical to hear, you know, pieces from the Ocarina of Time being performed live. Do you guys think this is the future of this kind of, what's a good word for it, um, I guess higher, edu- higher entertainment? That's a good way to put it. That's kind of what to think about it. Sophisticated entertainment. Symphony. I, I think it's another piece that is going to get added on to the growing tower, because you, you could have asked me this in, you know, the 1890s, where we listened to opera, and I might not have said anything about jazz. And then jazz would have come along where the, the big bands had absolute sway and people went out to dance halls now and you might have said, oh, well, this is, this is the, new, the new music. But it's not. Now it's just another piece. You know, you come to these theaters for classical, but we also come to them for musicals and we also come to them for plays and we also come to them for things like Stop or, or things like this. And I think it's, I think it's just going to integrate itself and add its own unique color to a beautiful painting that is live entertainment. That's um, it's a more thoughtful answer than I even have myself, so that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have a musical theater here, because I'm just like, more Superman, please. <laughs> yes, I want more of that. Um, what about you, Mr. Edwards? What do you think? Uh, I think it's more of... Well, I, I don't see these events going away. I see them increasing over time. But I'm going to view them more as kind of a gateway into the classical music because a lot of people these days don't know the kind of magic that an orchestra can bring because they don't they've never been exposed to it because back when you know you and I were kids 
we would go to the symphony at least for one field trip a year. That is true. All right. And that was something that, you know, kind of opened your eyes, especially if you're in music classes and that kind of stuff. And just, you know, this is how each piece individually works going forward. This is how it's utilized. A lot of people don't understand that. Now, you know, with like shows like Family Guy that employs a full orchestra for everything that goes on in the background, nobody knows that. And hardly anybody seems to really care about it. But once it's brought out to light, they're like, oh, oh, hey, look at that. That's how violins are actually supposed to be used. Or that that's how a cello or you know, any of those wind instruments that they use. I'm using my hands to try to visualize all these other pieces. Just another reason I guess we have to refer how to webcast these. Yes, we do. And watch Scotty orchestrate his answer. Ooh, <laughs> that was smooth. Oh, this guy, that's right, you don't like puns? I forgot. Oh, look what I did. Look at what I did. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and actually, you kind of lead into another, another, op- another question, though, because, well, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love I love this event, but you bring up a very good point that maybe I maybe haven't seen yet. Is it maybe time, as, as this continues to grow and this continues to become stable that you guys are kind of seeing become, should they start maybe doing little educational pieces? Because obviously... Um, Mr. Dragon, the conductor here, will take a minute to speak about the piece and where it's from and you know, what we're about to hear. Would it be would it behoove then for just music in general to take a moment and say this is also you know and this is from John Williams and John Williams has said in interviews is inspired by this and this is that something we should do? That they should start talking about the richness of the history of music and mention where the kind of the influences are from because that would actually kind of mm-hmm. want to talk about leading from the gateway piece. That's cool. I didn't know who this person was. I should go look him up. Mm-hmm. Thoughts. You want to go first, Scott? Uh, short version, yes. Long version, up to a point. Um, just that we are ultimately here for the performance. And that doesn't mean you have to just go from one song to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. You can stop and say words about each piece. But you don't want to... I don't want them to give us a you know 15-minute encyclopedic explanation of every last chunk of each two and who was inspired by etc. Something shorter, sure. That would be fantastic. Because then... Especially because you're hearing it right before you hear the piece, it might stick with you when you get home. You go, "What was that he said?" That one guy, right? That inspired the other guy, great. And then you go to Google, and that can take you through the rest. Something longer, maybe in the program, if I can hold on to that and have it written down. But, uh, but yeah, that's actually a fantastic idea. Just I, I kind of thought about that for a sec because I mean, exactly that. If it's if it's an opportunity, because I mean that's that's kind of what. Like remakes are doing now. If you think about it, if someone goes and sees you know the 2004 edition Dawn of the Dead and finds out it's a remake. They might go search out George Romero's original. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's the hope. I mean, we can have a whole another podcast on remakes and whatnot later. I know Scotty's got things to say, especially <laughs> if the thing has having bad CGI and a bad shark. Um, that wasn't a remake though. Yeah, it had its moments of Jaws. Let's be honest. No, it didn't. It tried to. It tried to have its moments of Jaws, but once again, we're getting off. Base here. We do this. We're, we're talking this. about okay. music. You're right. Yes, music. We're not talking about a crappy movie that was about a shark that you only had three scenes where the stupid shark was actually seen. It was the shallows, by the way. Yes, if you didn't know that, I don't like the shallows. Don't watch it. <laughs> and there's not good eventful music in that movie anyway. You, you so. get good at the tangents, you and I, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, your thoughts on that, Scotty? <clears throat> maybe doing a little more education. Well, I, Tall Scott hit it right on the head. I mean, it's. A little bit of edu- or a little bit of information about it will take the fan base a lot further than standing there, you know, talking about inspirations for 15 minutes. Just a quick little explanation. You know, this is this might have been the reason why I joined 
Beethoven symphony or something like that because of this piece specifically. And then when people start like looking up John Williams or Danny Elfman, any of these great composers that have worked in the movie industry for so many years, they'll start to see how that music has changed basically how a movie works. Like you say, you are the absolute Superman fan. It's true. And is most of it because of John Williams? Well, I'm, yeah, actually, no, there was a good chunk of it. I mean, for me, it was Christopher Reeve, because, wow, I mean, that, was, that, that is still by far, to me personally, the best Superman performance out there. But yeah, there is a certain, um, a certain chill and a certain joy that comes from hearing that, the John Williams theme. I mean, mm-hmm. even Richard Donner himself said, hey, if you listen to when it, when it comes to that crescendo and, and the name slaps down on the screen, it almost sounds like it's saying Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's definitely that part of it, too. And it's, and yeah, it's one of the, I can definitely credit John Williams for my the vast majority of soundtracks in my collection at home, so... Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that either. But no, that's, I mean, that's, yeah. maybe that's uh, something we can start seeing as time goes on. I'll ask people to get some education and really kind of expand the wonder of music. Um, but as, as the show is starting to draw a little closer, we should probably get closer to wrapping this little guy up. So, um, final thoughts, gentlemen. Anything tonight that you still want to talk about or anything you want to say about what you're about to experience? I think Scott's mind's going to be blown. I think your butt will be late. <laughs> so to quote Robot Chicken, we've got you a helmet because then that's going to blow your mind. <laughs> okay. Well, there we have it. That's it. <laughs> well, all right. We're going to head back into the show for the second night. Obviously, keep an eye out at orangesageek.com for further recaps. We've got plenty of those coming. All that good stuff. Um, once again, thank you to the Colorado Symphony. Thank you to Denver Comic Con. Thank you, Mr. Matt Krupa, for hosting us these past four years. It has been an absolute honor. And we look forward to uh, seeing this show and whatever iteration it evolves into as time goes on from here going forward. So keep on enjoying all the geeky stuff that you can. We'll talk to you guys next time.